Hello, everybody. Welcome to the live reaction of the Dylan Rayola commitment. We have Dane Young, Jed May, and we'll try to get some of the other uh, UGA sports guys onto the show here in a bit to talk about it. Uh, we, we really should have the legend here. We should have uh, a boy, Blaine Gilmer, who has owned this recruitment, start to top, you know, top to bottom. As I say right off the bat, I, you know, I tell these guys, you don't do victory laps. I'll do the victory laps for us. But Blaine got so much grief. Uh, and Jed saw this on the board. Every time that uh, Dylan Rayola would go anywhere, they, now here's the thing. He's the number one quarterback in the country, uh, yeah, number one player in the country, five-star guy, top of Georgia's board. Every time that uh, Jed May does his huge you know, recruiting pieces, first guy is always Dylan Rayola. But when Dylan went to USC for a visit, everyone said he's going to USC. When he went to Nebraska for a visit, everyone said he's going, for Nebraska. He's going to Nebraska. Uh, there was this huge thing about he canceled his Georgia visit. And through it all, through thick and thin, there was one guy who had the ear of the Rayolas and said, that's not true. Oh, no, they're pissed about that prediction. Oh, they're not happy about this. He has been the heart and soul of it. He, we knew this was all coming thanks to the work of Blaine Gilmer. And I know he's busy right now, but if we could ever get him on here, we, that would be big. Of course, he's going to join us after I said all these nice things about him. So screw Blaine Gilmer. <laughs> Blaine, can you hear us? Yeah, I got you now. This came on. How you guys I'm doing? giving you your props for uh, nailing this uh, the prediction and having uh, the the step by the step by step blows you gave uh, all, all the readers of UJ Sports about uh, uh, Dylan Rayola and what was happening. Okay, I'll go straight to uh, you, Blaine. Uh, we'll get uh, Jed's comments next. What does this mean? It, some some got, sorry, some going on. Man. Audio here. I'm gonna have to let me let me get out. I don't mess this up. I'll be back. All right. We're gonna drop uh, Blaine. Get Jed back. Jed, tell us about it. I mean, it's 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 huge. I mean, you can't. I don't think there is a way to overstate this. You know, and and it's funny because last year we did this um, when Arch Manning went to Texas. We're like, well, this was a huge, you know, loss for Georgia. They put all their eggs in this basket, whatever. I mean, Dylan Raiola is the same thing. He is the guy Georgia's wanted a quarterback. Obviously, Ryan Puglisi's committed. Georgia want, likes him as well. But, um, I mean, Raiola, I think if you took the name aspect off of Arch Manning, not to say he's not a good player, but I, mean, I think a lot of people would tell you Raiola is a better quarterback prospect than Arch Manning is. Um, and the thing about Raiola is – he's a lot more involved with, um, you know, like seven on sevens. And, and, you know, I think he has, he knows a lot of guys. I mean, Jeremiah Smith, a number one receiver committed to Ohio state, put out a tweet uh, a little bit ago that, you know, he put the, the, you know, thinking emoji. So he's yeah. mm. about now and, you know, him and Raiola were, were briefly committed to Ohio state at the same time. And they're both going to be in town this weekend. Uh, Jeremiah Smith on an official visit. So, um, it, it's huge. I mean, obviously, he brings a lot on the field. He's he's supremely talented. He's got arm talent galore. He's a, a big kid. He can move, um, you know, everything you could want. But the off-field aspects of this thing um, are just as huge as Georgia. And then, listen, Georgia's 24 class is, I believe, still number one in the country. They just added the number one overall player. And adding him is going to is gonna put them either – move them up the race or, or put them in the race uh, for just even more talented guys all across the country. I think they dropped because they don't have enough commits. That's why they weren't the number one. They were number one for a while there, but then some of the other schools, you know, you, you count 20 commits when you do the team rankings. I think right. Georgia had 11. Now this makes 12, but you had other teams like 17. So even though there were 
Georgia's average. Georgia doesn't have anybody that's ranked below a four star, and that, that they're the first team. <laughs> the first team to have two five stars now. So I'm it's a mute point, anyways. Mute point, anyways, because Jed does all the national rankings. We know this. We've established this. <laughs> Jed is responsible for it, so it's Every his fault. One. Haven't Jed. Uh, I just have a I just have a brief minute to hop on here, but I just wanted to I mean say it can't be overstated. I don't know what you guys have said uh, so far, but it cannot be overstated how big Mike Bobo was in this recruitment. Uh, the fact that you know I don't think necessarily Todd Munkin knew that he was going to be at Baltimore, but I think there was definitely some feelings throughout the program that this would be kind of his last run with, with Georgia. And at that time, uh, Mike Bobo really around sept- September, October-ish, he really started stepping into that role of being a guy that recruited Rayola very, very hard. Um, and then the decommitment comes in December and immediately everybody around this recruitment that we spoke to was like, listen, this is Georgia's to lose. Like they are the favorite. And and we, we told people that and remain – um, you know, each time there would be this overreaction of, well, he visited here, he visited there, we're going to, you know, prediction here, prediction there, and just consistently behind the scenes, all we hear were Georgia's, Georgia's doing as good or better than anybody in recruiting uh, Raula, the relationships are better there, um, and when it comes down to it now, people say, well, the, the negative recruiting that was going against Georgia was, okay, why do you want to go somewhere and just be another piece of the puzzle that just won back-to-back national championships? Yeah, but have they won back-to-back national championships with an offense that is driven by a bunch of uh, four- and five-stars the way Alabama did when Tua and all them came through? No, it's been more of, hey, we're going to have a really, really good, somewhat overachieving uh, quarterback, really good offensive line, great players like Brock Bowers and Adonai Mitchell. But now what Dylan Raola could – potentially bring with him to the University of Georgia, like Jed was alluding to, scary, scary for what it could be going forward. So that's kind of my observation on it, Dane and Roddy and Jed. So That's good. So the, the thing I heard early on was that Georgia really wanted Arch, and we saw them go all in on Arch. There was, there's no question about it. But we heard this about eight, nine months ago, that Georgia liked Rayola more than they liked Arch. And I don't know if that's just, you know, sour grapes that, you know, you didn't get Arch. And then I know some of the his shine was lost with the Texas game, but people will read too much into that. He's going to be a great quarterback. I've got no doubts about it. Yeah. But after you basically went all in on one guy and you didn't get him, the pressure to land two quarterbacks in this class is pretty good. So they got uh, uh, Ryan Puglisi and now they have real. Give me your assessment on Arch versus um, Rayola. Is, is that rumor true? And give me your thoughts between those. There's, def- there's definitely people around the, the the program and around the the, the recruiting world that 100 percent wanted you know Dylan Raul to be part of the Georgia program more so than Archman. But Archman, it, listen, you're you're splitting hairs here when you're talking about you. really good, really good quarterbacks and guys that. Listen, we don't know any more about Arch Manning right now than we know about what Dylan Raola is going to be at, at Georgia. He hasn't even taken a snap. So you can't overanalyze this stuff. But what I, what I will say is I've been, I've been receiving clips of Dylan Raola training 
okay, training with Patrick Mahomes trainer and stuff like this. And I will say I've not seen a lower half of a high schooler's body, like from hips, quads, calves, down to ankles that looks like this young man. I mean, he looks like a – he looks like an NFL body right now. He's six foot three, two hundred and twenty-five pounds. Runs a, a high four seven forty and can throw from arm angles that aren't imaginable. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. So, I think uh, that his his floor is probably higher than Arches. Um, you know, who knows the ceilings these guys are going to get developed and all that. But it's it can't be overstated how big a deal this is for Kirby Smart and the Georgia program in the fact that now they, like you said, two really, really good quarterbacks and Ryan Puglisi and Dylan Rola. And the other part of it is, is that there's rumors and, and speculation going on around there, you know, people that are directly involved with this recruitment that said this landing of Dylan Rola, if they sign him uh, in December, which we expect him to, that this recruitment will change the outlook of Georgia quarterbacks forever. Like that, that it, it could have a ripple effect into 2026 with Julian, Julian Lewis and, and all other kind of things. So this is all the eyes are going to be on Athens because watching this Dylan Rayola, not only the commitment, but how it plays out in the future. And I think Kirby smart hundred percent knows that. Go ahead. Dave. <laughs> The other piece of it, I think, is it's almost like the inverse of the Deshaun Watson and Trevor Lawrence thing. Although, I guess we probably said some of the same things after Georgia landed Justin Fields. That this is going to change quarterback at Georgia forever, and I don't know that it necessarily did that. Stetson Bennett was phenomenal, but Stetson Bennett doesn't have the tools that Ariola does. But it did change quarterback forever. I mean, th- think about it, Dane. If Justin Fields doesn't come and do what he did, then Stetson Bennett's never a thing. So Fair enough, <laughs> in that way. Uh, but I I've the people that know quarterback better than me, people away from Georgia, say that Raiola is. I mean, the, the stuff that even what Orlovsky tweeted last night, best prospect at Georgia at quarterback since Matthew Stafford. And this is this is one of those kinds of, of signings that if he comes in and does what he's supposed to do, he is competing from day one for starting quarterback. And I don't care what happens this season. That's just that kind of talent. Oh yeah, my my last thing, and I got to run here. But the the comparison that I talked to a guy who trains quarterback at a high level, uh, and he compared Dylan Raiola to a combination of two prospects. He said, "You're looking at a combination between Andrew Luck and Patrick Mahomes, and if if you get any parts of those two, uh, if that's even close to to what ends up happening, then Georgia's ceiling over the next few years is ridiculous." So, but. Guys, I gotta get back, get back to it here. But I appreciate uh, y'all, you know, running everything on the live show, and uh, we'll have everybody covered on UGA Sports. Hey, you gonna do the show tonight? Oh yeah, we'll we'll get it, we'll get it posted here before too long. All right, folks. But tune in to Thanks, Blaine. We'll talk to you later. Right, Be sure yeah. to catch the first part where we actually gave you some props. We're not gonna make fun of you the whole time. Uh, be sure to tune in tonight to the same channel, the same Facebook page to check out Rumors versus Facts. It's our weekly recruiting show. Should be a really good one this coming evening. Right. Jed, what is Raiola's reputation among other recruits that you talk to? Do they view him as someone that can elevate everything about Georgia? Yeah, I mean, he's a guy who has already kind of taken on that leadership role, um, you know, in the recruiting world now, obviously, in this class. I mean, I mean, Roddy, when you talk to 
um, Cameron Michael from Statesboro at the track meets the other day, and you asked him, hey, who were recruits do you talk to? Dylan Riola was a name that came up. Neither one of those guys were committed at the time, um, yeah. but but Riola obviously knew this Georgia thing was in the works. Michael is a guy Georgia's going after um, really hard. So, uh, Sakovi White I talked to, and he said, you know, he's been in touch with Riola. You look at a guy like, um, you know, Riola has been in contact with a lot of these guys even before the big announcement today. So I think he's a guy that is well-respected in the recruiting, you know, among recruits. Um, and and he's got that reputation of a guy, like you said, that's going to come in and, and um, you know, change change the outlook. So these – not change the outlook necessarily because it's hard to change the outlook of a two-time national champion, but um, – that can take this off this Georgia offense um, to the next level. I mean, he definitely is, is, and again, like Arch just didn't, wasn't necessarily as, as active in that kind of stuff as Riola was. And I think Riola has a more, I don't know what the word is like public engaging or presence. Yeah. Engaging maybe. And, and I, I think, and listen, Riola hasn't had the attention on him that Arch has had since he was, 10 or whatever. So, I mean, from Arch's standpoint, I get it, but um, he's, Riola is definitely a guy that has a lot of connections in the recruiting world. He has connections, obviously, on the West Coast where, where George is looking at a lot of guys, uh, you know, 24, 25. So it's, again, it's like Blaine said, like I said, it's it's huge. It, it can't be overstated. Uh, when I was speaking to uh, Cameron, you know, I asked him, you know, who, who do you talk, who else do you talk to? And he basically mentioned the uh, dual threat quarterback that decommitted from, uh, Georgia Tech, and he goes, oh, and Dylan Riola. I'm like, oh, you just happened to throw in that you're speaking to the number one player in the country. He goes, yeah. I'm like, so how'd that come about? He said, Dylan reached out to Coach Fran Brown to get my number. I'm like, wait a minute. So the number one guy in the country who, you know, and this is not a shot against Cameron, but Cameron is not the rival's 250. Now, Georgia wants him. He's a hell of an athlete, but he's not, you know, a high, you know, five-star, four-star guy. He's not, we don't even have a 250. We should move him up. Because I think, I, we have, I think we, yeah, <laughs> Jed should move him. I think we have a bit tragically underrated for, for what he can do. Uh, Georgia wants him as a cornerback. Kirby's like, hey, look, you just come here, maybe, and he wants to play wide receiver uh, just because he's more familiar with it. But the whole point is, this is not when you list, the, knowing that Dylan's talking to Jeremiah Smith, that makes sense. Okay. Five star quarterback, former co Ohio State commit. You know, if he's talking to five-star offensive tackles, he's talking to top tight ends, you kind of see that. But this is a guy a little lower in the recruiting world, you know. But Dylan Rayola reaches out to Coach Francis, who are you trying to get? Let me call them, basically. And he reaches out to him saying, hey, where are you going? And uh, Cameron's like, I, I don't know yet. He's like, well, it would be really good if we played together. Well, they don't even have the same offer list, you know. So kind of – in other words – Dylan Rayola has been recruiting for Georgia, some people say, for a couple of months, and that seems very mm -hmm. likely. And to your point, you know, Dane can tell you how the media works. When there's a name out there for recognition, everyone knew who the Mannings were, so there was all those lights focused on Arch Manning. I, I knew people who would go, uh, you know, to his hometown, and they could not get an interview with him. They're like, look, I flew in. Hey, yep. guys, can I get an interview? And they're like, uh, no, he's got to wait. You know, the coaches are, like, trying to protect him from the media onslaught. Dylan hasn't had that, but he's still incredibly high ranked. And to that point, he's able to go out and kind of be more normal. He's still the number one player in the country, but he's able to go out and engage with guys, go to elite 11s and not be hounded, you know, do uh, do stuff. And I don't say be a normal kid, but he's trying to put together a winning class. And the 
I think we need to touch on Jed, if you would, his, I don't say his NFL background, but his NFL upbringing. Yeah. I mean, his dad was a center for the lions and, and he, um, you know, this, this Dan Orlovsky tweet last night that kind of kickstarted this whole, the end of this thing. Uh, it's, it's no coincidence that, that he mentioned that Raiola is the best prospect at the position since Matthew Stafford, who, I guess Orlovsky and Stafford overlapped in in Detroit, but more importantly, yeah. Dylan's dad was Stafford's center in Detroit for for a good amount of time. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely the the bloodlines are there. Obviously, he has a different uh, I don't know about a different view of the game, but he you know his football IQ is going to be huge. Just like I and mean, we keep coming back to him, but Arch Manning obviously kind of had a little bit of that as well. So, um, and that's huge at the quarterback position. So. Um, well, that's kind of what I was mentioned. I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, it was the idea that uh, the bloodline of the Mannings was such a big deal. I'm like, the Rayola's his dad, what, 14 years? Somebody was in the NFL for a long time. One of his his dad's best friends is Matt Stafford, who also recruited, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Rayola to UGA, saying, you know, <laughs> let's let's look at my uh, tenure there. Uh, started halfway through my freshman year. By the junior year, I was taken as the number one overall pick, made $41 million. It worked for me. (laughs) Who was Stafford's offensive coordinator for all those things, Rowdy? Oh, would that be uh, Mike Bobo? Who is the current offensive coordinator in Athens? That might also be Mike Bobo. Indeed. So it's, I mean, all those connections again, like I don't, again, like the, if, if for Munkin, when in the context of this recruitment specifically, the offensive coordinator transition could not have worked out better for Georgia. Because remember, we had Dylan on rumors versus facts, I guess maybe in January, and and Blaine broached the the subject of, hey, what if Todd Munkin leaves? And and Raiola said, hey, Kirby has made it clear to me that there's an in-house replacement. And in as many words, pretty much saying it would be Mike Bobo if Munkin left. So. Yeah, Bobo was Bobo was involved in this thing for a while, um, even before Munkin left. And obviously, uh, Raiola felt comfortable enough with it after Munkin left to be like, yeah, I want to go play for uh, Mike Bobo for sure. So, um, you know, op- coaching changes can can wreak havoc in this recruiting world. But the transition from Munkin to Bobo in this recruitment specifically has been seamless. Let's make sure we get the pronunciation for Georgia fans as a service. Jed, is it Riola or Rayola? Because you're hearing both right now. I think it's Riola. That's okay. what Blaine's always said. Blaine would know more better than anyone in the world like he has with the rest of this thing. So um, I would say Riola. Okay. Riola is what we're going to go with for now until someone at Georgia Dogs phonetically spells it differently at some point. A couple <laughs> notes that I have. One, Georgia as a program being able to survive personnel changes. When Sam Pittman left Georgia, who I think is one of the best offensive line coaches ever, Georgia still got really good offensive line recruits coming in after that. When Dan Lanning leaves to go to Oregon, Georgia replaces with Will Muschamp and just keeps the train rolling with linebackers in the interior. And then now you see this, that in the midst of a national championship run, you lose the play caller and Mike Bobo steps in and secures one day we may say this is the most influential recruit in the history of Georgia football. Like this is potential to be that level. I don't think we're there yet. Only time tells that only production tells that in terms of what I've seen on game tape from Riola, 
you see a lot of the comparisons to a Patrick Mahomes because of the different arm angles and he can throw across his body. There's never a play that's dead. Um, one thing I'll tell fans, this is not the Lamar Jackson, Anthony Richardson type of runner. He can extend plays, but he's, he's trying to throw the ball. Um, he can go run a little bit, but this is not going to be a guy that in the SEC is an open field sprinter, get you 30 yards. I would imagine Stetson Bennett is, is as fast or faster than Riola which Stetson Bennett in the open field was, was pretty darn fast in the SEC. But all the measurables in terms of arm strength and arm accuracy and being able to distribute the ball to your playmakers, he excels at, at that as much as you can. The, the people that I know that know quarterbacks well say that he's the best recruit since Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence was incredible. He's still incredible. Uh, and I think Riola could be potentially on that track. The only thing that gives me pause, and this is going to be a – celebration of georgia and celebration of quarterbacks and all that the only thing that gives me pause is the number of times that he's transferred high schools and guys always have reasons for why they do that but i've covered enough players now if you move around a lot in high school are you going to move around a lot in college and it's easier than ever we'll see he seems to be pretty locked into georgia right now um yeah he did have a decommitment from ohio state don't care about decommitments but you start hopping around a little bit, it, it changes perception pretty quickly, even for the NFL. Yeah, I don't think this is a um, – and, again, I never want to log in or, you know, make promises we can't keep. Uh, the feeling I got from what Blaine has told me, and, again, uh, i got to hype up Blaine because he's had the inside track with the Rayola family. Uh, they When they just decommitted from Ohio State, you know, and what we were hearing was – Whenever they do decide, be it Nebraska, where he's got an uncle who's a coach there, USC, which, you know, played for a three-time uh, Heisman Trophy winning coach, you know, a coach who's got three different QBs, a Heisman. Uh, the idea of, you know, bouncing around to you know, decommitting later on is not impossible, but what we were told was this time when he decides, be it wherever he goes, it won't be to decommit. And the fact that he has been recruiting other kids is big. Now, to me, he has all the potential, the height, the weight, the arm strength, the football IQ. You never know what's going to pan out. We, I mean, you thought Jacob Eason was going to be the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, just no questions there. We thought um, uh, Justin Fields was going to be it. Jake Fromm. I mean, all these guys had great potential. Being quarterback is tough. And then a guy like Stetson Bennett, who just just wins, you know, can have a couple ugly throws, but he gets your team there. And I do like the idea that uh, if you can have one of those guys who to be that star, because right now, if you look at certain schools, you think of them as, you know, RBU, quarterback U, whatever. Georgia's been RBU for a while. It's turning into linebacker U. But Georgia used to get negatively recruited on when's the last time they had a defensive lineman drafted? And it was a long time before they actually had one. But once they started getting him, once he's got the Jordan Davis and Devontae Wyatt and guys like that started being drafted, now all of a sudden all these other high school kids are coming. You know, when you had a couple of Buckus Award winners, now you have a ridiculous inside linebacker room. Hell, a ridiculous outside linebacker room. Uh, Georgia went a long time without having top offensive linemen taken. Sam Pittman comes in fixes that. The knock on Georgia has been quarterbacks and wide receivers. Now, that, or that's the current knock. If you can get – some of these big time wide receivers and the fact that you've won two titles with look at what Alabama, when they lost their wide receivers, they, they say that's why they lost the game. Same with Ohio state. That's why they lost to Georgia. 
Georgia's not had that wide receiver that everybody in the nation fears. They've had really good ones. You know, you've had George Pickens, you've had, you know, A.D. Mitchell, you've had some guys like that, but they're just not, they're not on the same level as, you know, what you're seeing out there. Now, all of a sudden, if you can get a couple of those guys come in with him and, you know, Dylan Rayola pans out like he should, of course, you I mean, you've got some other very talented guys on there. If uh, Carson Beck can get drafted, Brock Vandegut, Griff can be drafted, you can change that system. So my point is when you say this could change Georgia, yeah, if you can get one of those guys in, all of a sudden have him drafted in the first round, it changes the perception. We're seeing how Georgia changed its perception at multiple other spots where you could negatively recruit against them. Clemson made a living ripping on Georgia's defensive line and getting some of the best defensive linemen in Georgia, you know, or the Georgia's head-to-head with them. And they're like, look how many guys we've had drafted from our defensive line. And the, you know, the kids see that. They're like, wow, yeah, okay. It doesn't matter that it was over four or five different coaches, you know, or they just think that's not the place. So right now a top wide receiver, he looks at Ohio State, uh, or he looks at Alabama. He sees what they've done. He's, you know, he's seen Jerry Judy and Waddell and uh, Smith. He's like, wow, I could be one of those guys. He can't say the same thing about Georgia. But with this commit and the fact that Dylan is actively recruiting these guys, going after him, I think maybe you see a change. So last thing for me, and then I'm going to get back on the road, um, you know, recruits or commits, excuse me, are starting to react. I texted uh, Sokovi White. And he just sent back, told you, because a couple of weeks ago I said, you know, how's the classic? I said, we're going to shock the world or break the internet or something in a couple of weeks. Uh, so I got that from him. Uh, I texted Nykar, who, who, listen, he's a guy who, you know, has been, um, you know, a guy that has been rumored that he could end up transferring or not transferring, uh, flipping to Florida State along with Landon Thomas. I texted him. And he said, you know, let me let me make sure I get this right. He said, it's great to have him on board now. I feel good about everything. This feels like the new wave. We're fixing to be getting a lot of targets from the main man himself. Um, and then texted Peyton Woodyard as well, number one safety committed to Georgia. And he said, um, great to see him finally put it out there. He told me a while ago he was going to commit. Excited about the class. Fran Brown will be here in California tomorrow to see me. We will be celebrating. So, um, <laughs> you like the commits, you know, they've – They've had a, a pulse on this thing for a while. They kind of know when a guy might be getting ready to jump on board with them. And and the day is finally here. So now they're going to, um, you know, publicly celebrating. And as we mentioned earlier, Dylan Raiola will be in town uh, or is scheduled, expected to be in town this weekend um, with Jeremiah Smith or Cam Michael, uh, as you mentioned, Roddy, will be on his official visit. Casey Poe, an offensive lineman, will be on his official visit. So uh, another big weekend. And, and, you know, it sounds like Raiola has been recruiting guys – um, you know, for a while, but he's going to get his first uh, shot to do so as a public commit uh, coming up this weekend for the scavenger hunt. And we expect him to be on campus as an early signee in January. I believe so. Yeah. I mean, I just assume they all are in le- until they tell us yeah, they aren't. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, yeah, especially being you know top quarterback and, and all that kind of stuff. I would, I would say so. It has been easier to name the guys that don't show up in the last two classes. Right. The guys that do show up, what Georgia think had what twenty six signees and nineteen of them were on campus, plus right. three commits. It's just I mean three transfers, which means there's potential he could be with the team during the college football playoff. Yep, absolutely. I mean, didn't they have five or six guys practice with the team for yep. bowl practice? Harris, Lawson, Lucky, and uh, and you know you think about guys who who got plenty of buzz this spring through spring practice. 
Lawson Lucky was there for bowl practice. AJ Harris was there for bowl practice. Um, we need we need to go back and compare notes. Go get yeah. go get that list and see who kind of got the buzz. That's very interesting. And now they can actually travel and practice with the team. That was new this past year. Normally they could practice in Athens, but then with the team left to go to a bowl game, uh, you, if you were an early enrollee, you couldn't go with the team and practice. Now they can, and some of the guys did that. I think it was fewer than the number that they actually had to practice. But it would be interesting to see Dylan Rayola running the scout team while Georgia's in the playoffs. Yep. <laughs> All right, fellas. Hey, thanks. See you. Later. See you, guys later. you know, Roddy, the thing that I'm curious about, and this is the media thing, we got to do this. We got to do the real-time analysis. What does this mean for Georgia's current quarterback room? Because as it stands now, we don't know who the starter is for the upcoming season. It seems like it's going to be Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift still in the running, and then there's Gunnar Stockton behind that. You add a Dylan Riola to the mix for the following year. All of those guys would be eligible. And Ryan Puglisi. And Ryan Puglisi in there, too. You wouldn't have five scholarship quarterbacks after a season where you were comfortable with three. And maybe they're not comfortable with three. Maybe they want four, and they just end up with three. That tells me they're probably expecting someone to go. And if Raiola comes in and starts immediately, you're going to have multiple people go. I think they'd be happy to have four or five, I mean, on the roster, uh, on the roster at any given time, simply because, I mean, if you look at how the whole Jamie Newman thing, you know, he decides to quit and then JT Daniels is still injured and, you know, Carson, uh, you go to Carson's not ready. Or, and so they wind up playing Dewan Mathis. Was Carson on the team then? That, point being, they had, I think they had five guys, and it was the fourth string guy, Stetson Bennett, that had to come in and save Dwan Mathis during the uh, Arkansas game to start the season. Yeah, uh, Carson was a true friend at the time, and right. that was during COVID, so he didn't even really get like full practice with the team. So yeah. it was he was nowhere near ready. Yeah, and and the, so they you know decided to go with Dwan Mathis and tried to get him ready in what, a couple weeks. I mean, he didn't have a whole lot of time to really prepare or. So it was tough on him. Uh, they want at least four quarterbacks to be able to run practice at minimum. And, and of course, quarterbacks aren't supposed to get hurt in practice, and they usually don't. But how many quarterbacks has Georgia seen get hurt in games? How many seasons? Hendon Hooker got hurt, you know, towards end up. Uh, quarterbacks get banged up all the time in games. So, Running four or five deep is not a problem, but the, the thing is when all five of those guys are high four-stars or five-star guys, it's the same thing we saw. You know, we mentioned a couple guys a second ago. They all you – know, it's like uh, Eason transferred. Justin Fields transferred. I mean, how many starting quarterbacks in the top 25 had played at a different school prior to the school that they were ranked with? I think it was upwards of half. So quarterbacks transfer all the time. That's not to say anything against them, but – you basically have one guy, you know, who's going to play the vast majority of your snaps. So it's not like cornerbacks, you know, you take Kamari Lasser out and you put in Nyland Green, then Nyland's kind of happy because you know, he got a bunch of snaps, but you're not rotating QBs very often. So when you do have a glut of talent at the top there, guys go looking for opportunities elsewhere. So 
the other piece of it too, though, is that with the expanded college football playoff coming during Riola's era at Georgia, oh, yeah. I think all of these teams are going to have to have at least two quarterbacks that they feel really good about playing. Because if you get to your 13th game and your quarterback gets injured, you can't have your whole team fall apart because of one injury. Yeah. And it's hard to find quarterbacks that you feel confident that they know how to do everything. I, if Georgia would have lost Stetson Bennett last year, and he played hurt a lot of it, but if they would have lost him four games, that would not have been as good of an offense last year. No, absolutely. And, you know, this year it may be a little bit more balanced because Vandergriff and Beck do different things. I, I'm just saying that I, I think there'll be a time where you want four scholarship quarterbacks and you want two of them to be ready to go right now. No, I, well, that they kind of want that every day. Uh, they, I agree with you 100%. Uh, I kind of look at like with the running backs, you can have four or, you know, more five-star running backs. And the way Georgia rotates their backs, everybody's getting the ball, everybody's getting their uh, clips, everybody's getting their Instagram posts, everybody's getting their highlight reels made up, you know, to be able to go pro. Quarterback is a little bit tougher. But like you say, when all of a sudden you've got extra games now, you know, and and we've seen guys get banged up towards the end. It's think you're sore, things hurt. And it's so easy to just have a – offensive lineman roll into your ankle and all of a sudden, you know, you're going to a guy who hadn't seen, hadn't played a whole lot. So yeah, you got to do it. I just think it's easier to maintain a stable of five-star running backs or even wide receivers, you know, because you're running so many different. Uh, we've seen Georgia have to balance a bunch of really good tackles. You know, they, Georgia's, Georgia's second string offensive line could probably, you know, last two years, started a bunch of different places you know but you're saying look i know you're a five-star coming out of marius mims you know just be patient and he thinks about transferring puts his name in the portal looks at florida state then comes back and it blows up some of the guys who've waited have really you know robert beal very highly touted he waited his turn chris smith waited his turn all those guys it works so kirby's able to show them look have patience my only fear though is if you are a carson beck you know, you've been – first thing he told me in L.A. was I've been waiting for this a long time. Because I asked him, are you ready to be to be in that fishbowl, to be, you know, just under the microscope as a quarterback? He's like, I've been waiting for it for a long time. <laughs> he used an exclamation there that I won't repeat. Uh, Brock Vandegrift. We've been waiting on Brock, you know, for some time. You know, Carson uh, – I mean, uh, uh, Gunnar Stockton. Can Gunnar wait, you know, two years to get his chance? I just don't know that any of those guys – I should say anything about them, but it's just tougher to have that patience. Even if, like you say, the coach is like, look, I need two of you ready to go. I'm going to give you know, tons of snaps with the number one so that we have interchangeable guys who can go with the ones. If, if you've been there three, four years and you just don't see playing time down the line, they're gonna somebody's going to take off. I want to pull up the vault over at UGASports.com just to give non-subscribers that follow us here on YouTube – just a glimpse of some of the headlines of reaction <laughs> that you see. And there's a lot of fun stuff in here. If you were jacked up about this commitment for Georgia, you need to be a member of UGASports.com, which you can get 30 days free, I'm pretty sure, with the new promotion. I think I saw that. I'm a terrible marketer when it comes to remembering what promotion. To promo code UGA30. That always works. Boom. UGA30. I'll put it in the things that are that will get you access to the board. And that's where, see, all these people, they knew this was coming. If you were, uh, if you've joined us and we appreciate the hundreds of you that are here, please hit the like button. Uh, if this came as news to you out of left field, that means you're not a member of UGA Sports. Be a member of UGA Sports. Try us out free for 30 days. Use promo code UGA30 
That'll get you access. Go to, we have two huge message boards. We have a lot of them, but the two biggest ones are the vent. That's where everybody goes and talks about UGA sports, football, everything, uh, <laughs> recommendations. It's a great community, biggest community by far in the Georgia football universe. Then we have the vault, which is just recruiting. Go to the vault. The updates over there are amazing. So I might have to go click on that uh, Blaine Gilmer appreciation thread because he was, he was dead on on this. When hey, you watch, if the, you have questions, uh, put them in the uh, comment section and we'll get to it. Yeah, throw your questions over here. And uh, thanks, Todd. This is a really nice comment. Just says, makes an old UGA sports guy smile. The great work that we're doing, y'all are killing it. Hey, without Todd, we wouldn't be here. Todd's one of the original guys that helped to help to who launched, you know, the it made UGA sports what it is. So we appreciate it, Todd. Thank you, Todd. Appreciate that. All right, get your questions in the chat over here if you want me and Roddy to opine about it some more. I, I, again, I'll just kind of reset where we're at. Uh, Dylan Rayola, top player in the nation for the class of 2024, best quarterback in the country, uh, son of Dominic Rayola, the former. Detroit Lions center, who was the center when Matthew Stafford was playing there, uh, commits to Georgia. He will be a Georgia Bulldog, and it looks like he will uh, likely be, and until I hear differently, I'm going to assume that he is an early enrollee, and you're shaking your head about Ohio State losing another quarterback battle. <laughs> That's just rude, Jonathan, but funny as hell. Uh, I like that uh, – uh, where did Brent say – Ohio State's now 0-2. Yeah. Uh, Brent Rollins, our great guy that he, your partner on Film the Lie. Georgia's now 2-0 versus Ohio State in a little over five months. Always be recruiting. The thing that I'm most excited about in watching the, the game film of, of Dylan Raiola is as much – like there's a ton of quarterbacks that can throw the ball deep and, and have the power. You don't get this kind of hype without having that in you. Watching his distribution within 15 yards and how accurate it is and how catchable it is, I see a lot of potential for him with a college offensive line and a college. Let me let me rephrase that with a Georgia offensive line and the Georgia skill players, the Georgia tight ends. Like Lawson Lucky's going to love this guy, okay. and they're going to become best friends. I mean, his security blanket will be there. You. That's why I think you see the excitement about the potential of receivers that could be following this because a lot of Georgia's best skill guys right now are juniors or at least getting to be draft eligible because Brock Bowers won't play with a Dylan Riola, at least not in college. Same thing with Ladd McConkey and Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint will be gone. So it'll be a new crop behind them. This won't be Arian Smith catching balls from him. Georgia has some good young players at those positions too, but this makes you wonder how can you galvanize the excitement of getting the top player in the country and then other players saying, I want to be around that because just being in that sphere with that talent, that's going to make me look better and make me look more marketable for the NFL too. Well, and also I'm thinking, you know, Monroe Freeling would be uh... – Junior, when he's a sophomore, good guys on the offensive line to keep him keep him safe. But uh, uh, let's look at guys like uh, Nitro Tuggle, you know, the wide receiver out of IMG, 6'3", 190 pounds. Again, we have him rated as a four star. That's uh, that guy could definitely jump up. Uh, Nye Carr, you know, one of the highest rated wide receivers in the country, uh, happens to be here in Georgia. He's out on down in Moultrie. He's also committed. Sakovi White, uh, another four-star. There's three wide receivers with him right off the bat. Uh, hand the ball off to Dwight Phillips in the background. Dwight's pretty good, and they're, real, they're in really high on a couple of other running backs. 
So you surround him with the tools. And that's the thing that, you know, we kind of lament the fact that Stetson Bennett didn't have, you know, top flight wide receivers. In other words, when we, every time we'd go on uh, any show and they would talk about Georgia's offense, it was always the, the story was about Stetson Bennett just because it was such an interesting story. But then it was like Brock Bowers, you know, it was uh, Darnell Washington. It was that offensive line, the running backs, you know, yeah, they throw in stuff about, uh, you know, Lad McConkey and, uh, you know, maybe Marcus Roseby Jackson, Saint, A.D. Mitchell, uh, yeah, uh, Burden, guys like that. But that wasn't the ones that you were feared. The ones everybody wanted to talk about were uh, Brock Powers. And again, with absolutely should. That is a guy that you need to talk about because there, there's no answer for him. So to your point, you know, who's going to be, who is he going to be throwing to? And you got to think that this guy's going to come in and work with uh, Tuggle and work with White and work with Carr. And uh, now, can you add in Jeremiah Smith, a five, an elite, elite wide receiver? I mean, the guy's just freakish. So, you know, got to think about it. If you're an Ohio State fan and they are still so pissed about that championship game, and I don't blame them, I get it. it the frustration there, it just what, what could have been, you missed a field goal that would have sent you to play TCU. Team that are you talking about the players or the beat writers? Because the beat writers, the players, the fans, every time you tweet anything about Georgia, I get Ohio State fans just shit posting talking about if you hadn't, if you weren't, it wasn't a dirty hit by Javon Bullard, we'd have won that game. I'm like, well, make the field goal, you'd have won the game. So, but now all of a sudden you've taken away, you know, I say taken away, you had Dylan Rayola committed and you have Jeremiah Smith uh, committed. Dylan Rayola decommits, goes to Georgia, a team that you're just pissed off at. Imagine them losing Jeremiah Smith, a guy who loves Ohio State. And every time – and the beat media, you mentioned it. When we mentioned before anybody else that Jeremiah Smith was going to take a visit to Georgia, the, the media, they are – he's not going to do that. And we, I put out a, t- a tweet after a story. We did an update with him. We're like, hey, Georgia's trying to flip Jeremiah Smith, you know. And – Beat media, people in the industry are like, no chance. I'm like, who the hell are you to say no chance? Have you ever covered recruiting? Well, I was joking about that in some ways because before that game, uh, a lot, a lot of it's not all. There were some really good Ohio State beat beat media people too, but they were some of the most fans as media as I've ever seen. And Georgia has its fair share too. I get that, but like, uh, look, I'm sitting on the University of Georgia right now. And I get this, like we're all connected to Georgia in some way. I love living in Athens. It's my favorite place. I wouldn't be anywhere else. All that said, like we do a job in a certain way. I can get on that high horse on another day. that number one quarterback hasn't committed all to say, I didn't see that same level of commitment to kind of separate yourself from that piece of it, from a lot of those Ohio state people. And uh, in our little group chat, that was a common topic of discussion. Oh, man, yeah, it was bad. Uh and that's not to say that Jeremiah Smith will decommit and he'll flip to Georgia. But I wouldn't have given Georgia much chance without Dylan Rayola. And again, this is – he knows how to recruit. This guy is active with it. Um, I know a lot of people are like, well, why didn't he commit you know, months ago? If he's been recruiting for two months behind the scenes, well, you know, that's okay. Uh, you don't always have to do it. You want him to be sure, as you pointed out. He's already been committed somewhere else. He decommitted. Uh, let him make sure this is absolutely where he wants to go. And then he jumps in with full feet. And again, this upcoming weekend is gigantic. Okay, folks, I don't know if you know about this, but uh, this weekend is what they call the scavenger hunt. And Georgia is able to invite guys to come to the scavenger hunt 
which to me sounds corny as hell. You know, scavenger hunt. What? Sounds fun to me. High school, high school kids want to do a scavenger hunt, but it's really the kids love it because it's an absolute blast. And the, I mean, they, you can't I, just like have them drink beer the whole time. That's what we would do, right? Yeah, exactly. I'd be like, hey, let's let's open up a bottle of Pappy and we'll talk about your future here in NIL. That'd be my recruiting pitch. Uh, yeah, it'd work for Stetson. You would have gotten him. <laughs> exactly. But the idea that uh, they get to come and they go, they have to go find uh, Coach Smart. You know, then they have to go do something, and they get find something. There's food there, and they get fed really well. Then they, in other words, each location highlights something about the university, something about what their life would be like if they were a student athlete here. And the end result of finding it is pretty cool. It's a spirited competition. Everybody, first time I heard about it, I'm like, this sounds stupid. What fifty five year old mom came up with this idea? You know, oh, let's have a scavenger hunt. And then the reviews came out, and every kid's like, that was the most fun I've had. Everywhere else I go, we have a nice big barbecue. You know, they, uh, they play music. You know, we play games. You know, uh, or in, back in the old days, you didn't even do that. You had them camp. You had the kids come and work out. <laughs> so uh, they're like, this is a lot more fun than camping, you know, and having to go head to head. But you've got a huge number of guys coming in this weekend. And if Dylan Rayola, he's supposed to be there. He's got some other stuff coming up, but he's supposed to be there. If he's there talking to these kids, recruiting them during the um, scavenger hunt, it means so much more to say, yes, uh, hi, good to meet you. Good to meet you face to face or good to see you again. Yeah, I committed early, you know, I committed on Monday. It's been a great week. When are you committing? We're going to do so much good together. They've already got two titles. They've been able to prove that they can win. They're set up to, you know, be in the playoffs for year three. Uh, year four, they got, you know, we'll be here in year four. You know, we'll be freshmen. You see how many freshmen they play? If you come with me, hey, let's go throw the ball. <laughs> hey, you block for me. Hey, you play defense for me. Because he's not going to do just offensive guys. He's going to want the best outside linebackers, the best safeties. The best. You see Peyton Woodward, you know. Uh, good afternoon. By the way, folks, Peyton is – I've never seen anybody retweet and be more positive about Georgia stuff in my life. This kid it's is – It's kind of like Richard LeCount back in the day. Like that yes. was – Oh, I said back in the day as if that was like seven <laughs> years ago. Jeez. But every time I get a notification, Peyton Woodward has retweeted your story about a – a three-star punter. <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned that about defense, though, because I've the players I've interviewed in the recruiting process, and I don't do it as much as Blaine and Jed, and I'm kind of going back to my TV days a little bit because I mainly cover the current team now. Right. But the ones that I've talked to, like a defensive player wants to have the confidence that the quarterback on the other side is going to make it where the defense can make some mistakes or have a bad game. They don't want to have to go limit the other team to eight points the whole time. They they want to have the confidence that they, if this gets in a shootout, because most high-level college football now ends up in higher scoring games, that that quarterback on the other side can help. The other thing, though, Roddy, I think there are two fan fallacies that this particular day pokes a hole through. One, and Blaine did a really good job, I think, of explaining this. When Mike Bobo was hired as offensive coordinator, there was a sector of the fan base that thought, oh, this is a little bit of a lazy hire. You just rehired the- your chances of Dylan Rayola. I remember seeing that. Right. There's just all these things out there of like, you know, you, you got Todd Munkin from the NFL. It, it would have been great to go do something like that again. And then Bobo does this. It was an inspired hire in the sense that he loves Georgia. He knows Georgia is going to be at Georgia for a while. He can work for Kirby Smart. They know each other super well. And then he can do things like this. 
And so the game day coaching comes after this. But when you have a Dylan Raiola as your quarterback, it makes that part a lot easier. The other thing, the other fan fallacy is that Georgia doesn't recruit as well with some NIL related things. And maybe you can point to a few small examples of that. But what I can tell you is that the number one recruit in the era where NIL has been the strongest, which is right now, just selected Georgia. Did that have anything to do with NIL? I really don't know specifically. He may be one of the players that says, I don't need any of that. All I want is to be developed and go to the NFL, or I want to do my own thing privately, because I promise you he'll find the cash around him if he's a star player at Georgia. Like That's a piece of the pitch, is that you can be a Brock Bowers. You don't need the collectives and things to help you. You'll get your agent, and they'll do their things on the side, and then you're going to go to the NFL and be a top 10 pick. That's kind of the path. Yeah. Maybe Raul is more of like that side of it. Uh, but even if he isn't, I'm just saying Georgia is getting a really, really, really good recruiting class. And so that indicates to me that if Georgia's behind an NIL, it doesn't matter, or Georgia isn't behind an NIL. No, you're right. Well, they are behind. Uh, that's so, folks, if you want to help George out, and I'm sure the folks at Classic City Collective would love to hear from you. Because it comes down to, to me, there's two things with, with why is Georgia behind an NIL. One, you can only ask donors for so much. You asked them to help build a, uh, a real indoor facility. They did. They put up $60 million. He said, look, we need to fix the West End Zone. We haven't had new locker rooms in forever. The locker rooms are a joke. And, and the ones at the stadium, they paid money. He said, look, we need a new operations building, you know, new weight room, new everything. They ponied up. Now we need to do the West End of the End Zone. They're doing that. I mean, the, uh, the actual stadium itself. Uh, there's the, the folks that spend money. You go to them and say, look, we're, we're trying to get, uh, you know, uh, this wide receiver. Uh, if you have a uh, lawyer, you know, if you're a lawyer, you have a car dealership, if you can set up something with this kid to promote your law business, you know, promote your dealership, that'd be great. And then we could present it to them. You do that. But then the next year you come to them, hey, we need a defensive tackle. Year three, you come to them, hey, we need a, a cornerback. It's like, you know, how much can you do? Where's the, the the big dollars? Where's Delta? Where's Coke? You know, where's Home Depot? They spend millions and billions of dollars in advertising. You know, if you can get get those corporate guys are funneling money, then it changes. It catches you up to what some of the other places are doing. When Georgia lost a very talented wide receiver to Missouri, there's a huge grocery store chain out there that stepped in. It wasn't an individual guy. You know, it's you know a bunch of small people. And there's real money there. So getting them caught up, but to your point, Georgia's behind, but they don't, they're able to do this despite being behind because not every kid comes in with his hand out and Georgia is pitching the fact like, look, you can make, you know, $800,000 in NIL deals. You can make, you know, we can't give it to you, you know, but this is what we think you can make. And we know there are people out there that want to work with you. Um, we can't set it up, but talk to the Classic City Collective and they can help you out. But when you start saying, look, we had three guys go in the first round. They just signed contracts for $50 million. You know, if you, if you can succeed here, we're going to give you everything to develop you to get to the NFL. We set a record last year with the number of guys drafted. We set, you know, 10 more guys this year, 25 guys in two years. No one's ever done that before. All the guys that started against um, uh, Michigan in this uh, uh, bowl game down in Miami, everyone has been drafted you know, on the defense, that's able to get guys to sign up and just say, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, this other school is offering me like $300,000 and you guys maybe only have like $160,000, but yeah, I'm going to go do that. So to your point, it is a big deal. And the Rayolas, uh, 
I don't, I don't think NIL ever had a big deal. I think the quickest way you could turn them off was to start pitching NIL deals. His dad's a longtime NFL veteran. You know, it's not like they're hurting for cash. They Isn't that the hardest part in recruiting for these coaches, though, is to understand what's going to excite the players and what's going yes. to turn them off? And Georgia tends to have the failsafe right now, which is you want to come here for three years and then be a top pick in the NFL draft because we're doing that better than anyone else right now. Yes. And that's not anything that's up for debate. No, that, no kid, no kid's scared to hear that. The, the two things about recruiting, the you talk about fallacies. The number one fallacy in recruiting is a kid wants to come win a championship. They do not. They do not. Half of them don't even watch college football. You ask me, hey, what's your favorite team? I don't have one. Okay, dear. Who, who do you watch? I watch this guy at my position on this team over here, or I watch the NFL. Uh, and it's not to say they're not competitive. They are competitive, but they're not going to come to Georgia just because Georgia's won two titles. They want to go someplace. They want to make it to the league. That is 100 times more important to them than winning a title because if they can get to the league, then they get paid. You don't get paid for winning a national championship. You know, you get pictures and you know people you get a parade, but you get a ring. But that's not, that doesn't set you up for life. Uh, make it to the league that sets you up for life. So they're looking for who can develop me. And even when you have a, like a Texas A and M, Georgia's not going to spend thirty million dollars on this recruiting class. Texas A and M will do that. Uh, then they have a bunch of guys transfer out. Not a great situation over there. Win five games, miss a bowl game. Yeah, yeah we <laughs> like, oh well, they're done. They are done. Nah. I'm like, no, because what they're going to do is go to all these really good players and say, look, the guys we signed aren't any good. We need you. And even when you lose a championship game, the first thing you do before you leave the stadium, like, oh, man, we were right there. You call five, six of the top kids that you're recruiting and say, man, we'd have won that game if you'd been here. You know, and so when you're down, the kids see chance for playing time. They, you know, so. And if you're really up, they're like, man, going to Georgia, going to Alabama, going to Ohio State, that room is going to be so competitive. I don't know if I can get in there. I don't know if I'll be able to start. So sometimes they get a little nervous that they don't come to your school. But what they want is to make it to the NFL. So even if your NIL isn't on par, and it would be much better for Georgia if it's if it's were, the fact that you've got 25 guys drafted in the last two years, that is the ultimate trump card. Throw that down. And that's what worked for Alabama. If Alabama had a, a bad year, they still have five, six, 10, 12 guys taken in the draft. And, you know, it was everybody recruiting against Alabama for years. Now Georgia's in that mix going head to head because, you know, because of Kirby. So give Kirby credit. A lot of people said, you know, you can't, he will never be able to sign the high caliber offensive guys. And yeah, he's not signed yet, but uh, they're, they're a big step closer. Let's get some questions and comments here from our YouTube uh, chatters. And then uh, we're going to wrap this pretty shortly because we've been on air on YouTube for almost an hour. If you're watching us, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're the most popular one that covers Georgia on the internet. And we're really proud of our growth on YouTube and the community of people that support our YouTube channel. So make sure that you are subscribed, like what we're doing, like this page that I hope other people find it as well, or just share it on your social media channels. One of those is Facebook. Brandon Dickens is watching on there. Says, this is great. What if we land Ryan Wingo too? That would be awesome. <laughs> that would be, can you imagine Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah Smith, uh, Nitro Tuggle, Sokovi White, Nycar. That's just, that's mind-boggling. B-Dogs 47, what does this mean for Vandergriff and Stockton? We'll find out. Um, one of the things, and we're hyping up Dylan Rivalo a lot, and he deserves it. He's one of the highest-rated recruits in the history of rivals. I mean, this is 
this is a, a historic day for Georgia in the recruiting sense. That said, if you go back over the years, you can go every single year and look at the five-star quarterbacks, and it's probably, you know, 50-60%. Some pan out, some don't. There's a variety of reasons why that's the case. And I, I think what we're saying is this is as close to a lock as you're going to find in the recruiting process. Things can happen. If he comes in with the wrong attitude and doesn't work, this ain't going to work out. If he comes in and gets injured, this may not work out. But all the things that you can control to this point, this is about as much of a lock as you get. Yeah, I mean, and what you know, what if Georgia melts down this year? It doesn't feel like that's the place for him. Like, anything, anything can happen. That's the one thing you need to know about recruiting is it's never ever done. And now with the transfer portal, it's never done. So, uh, but going back to Ryan Wingo, I, I forgot his height and weight. I want to look back. He's a 6'2", 195 pound receiver out of St. Louis. Um, I just I want to look back at the size of some of these guys because. I went and saw a kid today that George is recruiting at the slot, or excuse me, on Saturday uh, at the slot position. He's like 5'8". I'm thinking, okay, this, and the kid could fly. He ran a 10'6". Uh, uh, Zion Reagans ran a 10'6", 100-yard dash in the heat, you know, and then he, he's two-time state track champion, you know. And he was going for his third one as a junior. So this is a kid who can – I mean, he won as a freshman. He can obviously fly. Uh, he beat Sammy Brown and uh, – Cameron Michael in that heat handily, but he's small. And I'm thinking, okay, what happens if they, this, you know, here's your, here's your next lad McConkey. But if you have a, if you get a Ryan Wingo and you keep those other guys and then you're in it for a Jeremiah Smith, I don't know that he has a spot, you know, cause it's like, yeah, we can take this super fast kid, you know, but these other guys are just <laughs> off the chart. So, uh, that's just mind-boggling what, what, what could happen there. Now, the other piece of this that happens is, yes, there's the positive recruiting that comes from Rell will, will be at Georgia. He will recruit all of these other players to try to play with him. Some players will want to try to play with him, even if he didn't recruit them. There's all of that. And thank you for Darius Sr. checking in. Oh, yeah. Sounds kind of a big year, Darius. I'm feeling good about it. The other piece of this, though, is that the second that that recruitment that commitment was made public on, on Dylan Rella's Instagram page. There are a lot of players, including current Georgia players. They get text messages from different people and they say, well, if, if this star is coming into the program, there's probably just not enough shine for you. This is this gravitational pull. It's going to take away from what you can do. Look at the opportunity you'd have to come over here and do your thing yeah. here and be that guy here. All of this happens. It's it's the recruiting business. It's happened forever, and now it happens on current rosters more than ever has. Hey, go back and look at the the amongst the first conver- comments on our uh, uh, on this live chat here, where people talking about coaches trying to poach the two quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, and guys, I'm not going to say that, that. I'm sure those coaches were not doing that, but someone in that uh, there are coaches out there who have friends and assistants who still remember, uh, you know, who you, you met during the recruiting process. So you could text a friend of the family or, you know, a, a former high school coach and go, wow, do you see Georgia just got a, you know, another commit? That's going to make it tough for our boy Gunner. That's going to make it tough for our boy Brock. Man, I wish he had signed here. You know, we could definitely use him. 
I mean, a direct connection, and usually it's a little bit more layered than this, but look at Buster Faulkner going from Georgia to Georgia Tech, and you saw a few things happen. One, Don Blaylock going there. There was another one of the, I think it was a former walk-on that transferred to Georgia Tech. But then you see Aaron Philo, quarterback prospect from Prince Avenue Christian, commit to Georgia Tech, someone that he already knew there. That's a very, like, on-the-nose connection of you're, you're going to lean on the people that you know and the the people that you met in your world and this is a very small world of college athletics and a lot of these guys have coached at a lot of different places and a lot of the high school coaches have met all of these guys during different recruiting cycles um georgia players get poached a lot if if there's a coach that thinks or attempted poached a lot if if there's the thought that a backup player at georgia may be a little unhappy i mean that's just feed for the fish right there and a lot of georgia players end up staying anyway some leave it happens yeah well as much as i lament the uh the transfer portal i'm thinking you're just gonna see the rich get richer what did georgia do they took the best wide receiver missouri had they took a uh, the best receiver that uh mississippi state had they took a very good cornerback that they wanted out of you know they fought for uh you know uh, spoke buoy out of bainbridge when he went to texas a&m that only made Georgia better, you know. So the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, you know, Oklahomas, their kids want to jump in the portal. You're going to lose a few. You can't keep signing 20. You have 85 scholarships. You sign 26 kids a year on scholarship. That means somebody left, somebody graduated, you know, somebody transferred. So, well, okay. So, what does this mean for Georgia's current quarterbacks? I think statistically, I saw the number at one point, I'm forgetting what it is, but it's something like half of four and five star quarterbacks end up transferring at least once in college. Yeah. That's and what I was looking for the other day. It was crazy. Car- Carson Beck hasn't transferred. Brock Vandegrift hasn't transferred. Gunnar Stockton hasn't transferred all four star or above. So that means statistically, one or two of them potentially transfer now look there's a lot of different factors at play here if Carson Beck is the starter and has an amazing year Carson Beck would be going pro after this season period his stock would never be higher that would be his best chance to play in the league so that would be one roster deal already seen after there then do you have the thing of, of Vandegrift being the most experienced on the offense does he want to come back and say I can control this better than someone fresh out of high school could or like there, there's so many different variations of this. I think what you look at now, what can Georgia control? Georgia can control that for the upcoming season. It has three quarterbacks on the roster. And what can Georgia control after that? It has two highly rated recruits. One of them super highly rated yeah. coming in to be on the roster for next year. How does that shake out? That's not in Georgia's control at that point. It's aggregated talent. And when you aggregate talent, you expect some of it to go away. True. Uh, Georgia's now moved up to number three in the recruiting rankings. Again, it would be – they definitely have the highest uh, star average. They're the only team that has two five-stars committed, um, and they are above four. Uh, everybody has – either the four stars or above. There's only one other team that can say that, and it's Florida, and they just don't have as many kids. But I saw a question on there, what if Georgia could get uh, uh, Trader as well, uh, Jim? Josiah Trader, he's the number 11 player in the country, uh, wide receiver out of – I know he's out of Florida, but I don't know where I'm trying to remember. I always get uh, – out of Hollywood, Florida. Okay. Uh, can you imagine he got him? Uh, Nye Carr, who's you know also pretty damn good, uh, number 24 in the country. Uh, Jeremiah 
Smith at number two in the country. Uh, you're in it for KJ Bolden. You already got Peyton Woodward, who's, you know, number nine. And of course, there's Mike Matthews still floating around out there at number seven. So this could be Georgia's legendary recruiting class. And uh, the fact that you've already proven that you can win at Georgia just sets it up because there's so many times, you know, you, Georgia signed great recruiting classes in the Mark Richt era. Um, you know, when you know, this should be the team to do it. And it just, they kept coming up short and it drove people crazy. But now it feels like the proof, you, know, you have proof of concept. You can absolutely do it. And now these kids are like, okay, I'll go there. I can winning. I said winning titles is not the most important thing to them. It's the draft. It is, but you also have proof of concept there and that you're getting so many guys drafted. So it's, um, it's just going to keep building. So. We've talked a lot. I, I guess Coach Don will do the show by himself tomorrow. Yeah. I'll just let him on, let him on there and tell jokes. All right, folks, i got to go have lunch. Yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, full coverage over at UGASports.com. You can become a member right now. It's a good time of year to do it. We have a lot of uh, good summer coverage coming, and then by the fall, you're definitely going to be locked in to see if Georgia can go for a three-peat. Subscribe to this YouTube channel if you haven't already. Share this with your friends. We do appreciate you watching this live reaction coverage of Dylan Rayola becoming a Georgia Bulldog commit. We will... Uh, continue to follow where this goes for him following his high school senior season and then when he signs with georgia career at georgia that's just what we do we we on to the next thanks everybody for watching uh tonight rumor versus facts is here on this channel you can hear some of the backstory of this with blaine gilmer jed may trent smallwood and then tomorrow at noon it'll be uga sports live with me and roddy and head coach jim donnan you're not going to want to miss what jim donnan has to say about how you manage a quarterback room with this much talent absolutely thanks folks